meeting today's challenges with yesterday's experiences. Senior Wisdom is your opportunity to take in wisdom gained by our elderly population and apply this insight to your own life. It's a time machine of sorts, sending you back to challenges of pre-millennia days and places that stretch across the globe. Ron Spiller served during the Korean War as a military tank driver for two years. When he came home from Korea, he had a wife and a two-year-old son waiting for him. Starting a new family and finding an occupation that could support them was in the forefront of his mind. His first step was to work and go to night school. Soon he received a business management degree and was ready to find a career job. He knocked around for a while, attempting to find a job that he liked. He enjoyed seeing the product of his work. This desire eventually led him into manufacturing. Manufacturing was a good place for Ron. He became employed in a variety of companies and jobs that exposed him to all the departments necessary to run a manufacturing company. His dream of running a manufacturing company was soon achieved. Ron reaches out to today's men and women. He emphasizes the need to have patience and not give up on your passion. At some point you will reach a pivotal moment which will direct you into the perfect career and job. Always be alert and look for these opportunities. Senior Wisdom is ready to share another golden nugget. So adjust the volume on your laptop or handheld device and soak in to a conversation with Ron Spiller. Well, we're very far away from Virginia. <laughs> in fact, we're in California. And I'm here with Ron Spiller, who at one time, in fact, through a lot of his life, he, he uh, lived in, in Virginia. Ron, you're in California now. I'm sure that's a wonderful change. And you have family close by. Yes, we do. Arwai, thank you uh, for bringing me into your home today. Well, and you're entirely welcome. We're going to be talking about really your life starting up. Probably back in the Army days, you were, uh, you're, what's your age right now, if I can I'm ask? I'm 84. 84 years old, a little bit younger than my mom. Mm. Anyhow, you first started working around the time that you were in the Army or pre prior to the Well, Army? actually, I wouldn't say that I started any career work until I returned from Korea in 1952, at which time, obviously, I was 22 years old. I had had a a couple of years of college. I got into the Army because uh, they were offering a program in uh, 1948 and 49 when the draft was still going on that if you had completed one year of college instead of being drafted for four years you could enlist and have one year of active service and then four years in the active reserve. And of course World War II was newly over so uh, it sounded like a pretty good deal that you'd serve one year and then you were basically free except for going to reserve meetings. Unfortunately in 1950 after I had just completed my first year of college the Korean War broke out and the reserve unit was activated. Oh, so we went, went over war. en masse. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. And how long were you in Korea? Sorry. I was there until uh, 1952 so I was there for two years although I did get an opportunity to come home uh, on an emergency furlough when my dad uh, had a heart attack. But then I went back. I, I was hoping maybe they'd reassign me to a, sea, a stateside position, but they, they said they needed tank drivers back in Korea, so that's what I did. <laughs> oh, I was just going to ask you that. So you were, you were uh, a driver of the tanks? Yes. 
Uh-huh. And you probably saw a lot of uh, a lot of activities while you were there. Well, the the tanks weren't too effective in the role that the army had uh, anticipated. They the anticipation at that time was to form regimental combat teams. So each regiment would have a tank company, a ranger company, an infantry company, a heavy weapons company, etc. And the we would go into combat with the tank leading a, a squadron of uh, or a squad of uh, infantry men. Uh, but there was little little engagement in that, so later on what they did, we, we used the tanks primarily as artillery pieces. We'd park them back on some kind of a hillside and receive coordinates from um, upfront observers and then throw our shells out there for in some place that we never saw. So uh, it wasn't really heavy combat duty uh, in, in the true sense of the word, where we saw the enemy face to face. I didn't do that. Yeah, well, there, there's a lot of, uh, it's still difficult, and I, I appreciate it that, that you served in that capacity back, back in those days, and we all appreciate that. You, you've in a, you and all the other men and women helped uh, uh, prepare the, and sculpt the type of life that I've had because I'm the mm-hmm. next generation that came mm-hmm. along. So I thank you there. You came out of the Korean War, and the GI Bill was active, correct? And so you decided to go back to school. Well, the GI Bill was uh, available. Uh, <laughs> surprisingly, I never took advantage of it. Uh, when I, oh. I, I had gotten married uh, during the year between the time I, I came out of the Army the first time and before I was recalled, and my wife was pregnant and, of course, had the baby in 1950. So when I came home, I had a two-year-old son and a wife to support. Um, and I had to get a job, so I went back to school uh, and taking night classes at Northwestern and finally got my degree from the uh, Northwestern Kellogg School of Business. So. so it was a business degree? Yes. Exactly? Yes. Oh, okay. Well, at that time it was called a BA in business management rather than business administration, you know. Uh, we like to change uh, change nomenclature to make... the jobs sound a little better, like, you know, janitors are now custodians or something like that. (laughs) We have to be politically correct. (coughs) Yes, exactly. (laughs) But that that changes uh, from from era to era, apparently. So when you got out of school, what job did you end up uh, starting? Well, like many young people, I knocked around for a while. I I did jobs that uh, didn't suit me or I didn't suit the job. Um, And finally, I, I took a job at a, a company in the south side of Chicago called Klein Electric in production control. And in that job, I got to know how the, how the company worked. I had a lot of uh, relationships with people at various, uh, I would plan jobs, bring them down to the shop, talk with the foreman of the particular department that was, had to execute that job that, that I had planned, and then track the job until it was completed and turn it over to the next section. Uh, so it just started me off, and I enjoyed, uh, I enjoyed seeing the product of, of the work that I did. You know, at the end there was a product that actually got shipped off to a customer, and it, it gave me a lot of satisfaction to see these things accomplished. Of course, I could see that this was just a small part 
of uh, the machinery of, of manufacturing, and it gave me a desire to, to have a more important part. And, uh, you know, that's how my career kind of evolved uh, from there. Did, did it evolve through many different companies, or did you well, build up did. within one company? It did. The, that company that I started off with, and I think I was with them for about five years, and they ran into financial difficulties, and closed down. I showed up for work one morning and the doors were locked. And oh. Of course, we employees never had any pre-warning that this was going to happen. So overnight I was out of a job and really missing my last week's paycheck, which I never did, was able to recover. Oh, that's tough. Well, as you uh, developed in your working career, did you realize that, you know what, this is actually fun? I did. You know, it was almost like an epiphany because um, my, my forebears, my father and my uncles, had jobs which I think they considered drudgery because from their conversations, I could tell that they weren't really happy in doing their jobs. It was a necessity, something they had to do to, uh, to support their, their families. Um, and what did so your dad do? I, my dad was a paint shader at Sherwin-Williams. Uh, one of the local companies that uh, was famous mostly for the aroma that pervaded the neighborhood. <laughs> oh, that's funny. This is in Chicago. Yes, yeah, south side of Chicago, far south side. But anyway, after, after uh, my experience uh, of working, I, I, I found that I liked and I was adapt adapted to that type of work. And I quickly got a job with another company, uh, ITT, International Telephone and Telegraph, that had a branch in Chicago called Kellogg, Kellogg Switchboard. And um, there they hired me uh, to work in purchasing. And uh, I really enjoyed that because now I got not only to observe the manufacturing that we were doing in our own plant, but in selecting suppliers for individual parts, I became familiar with their manufacturing process too. Plastic molders, metal stampers, uh, die cast people, th things like that. And um, it gave me a, a broader perspective of industry and how it worked. And of course, at that time, I had uh, visions of sometime be, becoming the president of a manufacturing company, <laughs> which uh, luckily enough, I, I finally did. <laughs> wow, that's great. Through this process, you, you met a lot of people, and I suppose you, one of your realizations may have been that, uh, that you like people. That's a fun part of, of the work. And in fact, it's a critically important part of the work, uh, good relations with, with all those you're working well, with. Well, yeah, it is. It's certainly, it's certainly a critical part of it. The, as a matter of fact, relationships, not only in your work, but in your private life, I think are the very important factors in, in the way you feel, because having good relationships make, makes you feel good and necessary and wanted. But there are also some bad relationships that get mixed in there, uh, which also teach you a lesson. Well, it's a mixed bag of tricks, no yeah, doubt about sure. it. Yeah, sure. You know, I'm just curious, uh, in any of the manufacturing projects that you were working with, did you manufacture parts to automobiles? Um, no. Uh, Klein manufactured parts primarily for the printing industry, web cutoff devices, roller controllers, and things like that. ITT Kellogg, the products were primarily communication devices, uh, and the, the section that I worked in, we were making communications for the military, uh, for the dew-line observation posts that we had in, in, out here in California and other places. What is that, a dew-line? It was a distant early warning system that we set up after World War II that could track, I think, 
activities uh, from a long distance, such as planes taking off from Russia and heading our way. You know, oh, we were okay. paranoid about the danger of, of Russia uh, in the 50s and, and 60s, I think. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So the, uh, the golden nugget, the piece of wisdom that you, you can identify with from this experience, what, what would you say that is exactly? Well, as I said before, I think there's, there's great satisfaction in work if, if you become absorbed in it. You know, there, there's an old saying, bloom where you're planted, you know. Uh, it's, it's great if you can know early in life exactly what you want to do and then go out and do it. I think very few of us really uh, uh, get that kind of a gift. We go along randomly, we let things happen to us. But my point is, if you get into something and you know you can do it well, you adapt yourself so that becomes the focus of your life because you're going to spend a long time doing it. You're going to work for many years, in my case, more than 50 years, eight or more hours a day. I mean, that's eight hours a day is as much as you sleep. So it's one third of your entire life. So if you don't get yourself to the point where this becomes a satisfactory thing that you do, then you are living a life that that's empty. It's it's not complete. You you you've you've lost uh, you've lost something that that uh, you shouldn't lose. Something that uh, you can carry with you, give you satisfaction, uh, broaden your relationships with the people that you work with, and things like that. So it, I I think it's it's a a pivotal thing to realize sometime in your life that you're in a profession or a job and uh, learn to love it. Just learn to love it. It seems that when we try to apply it then to today, mm-hmm. that what we're starting with is sitting back and asking ourselves, where's our passion coming from? What is that passion? And as you identify uh, the type of work you want to do, it, it, you probably realize that, oh my gosh, this, this is probably my destiny <laughs> of all things. Well, I don't know that you ever get to the point where you, you, you have that realization that it is your destiny, but, you know, bottom line, it is. As it ended up, the work that I did that gave me even more satisfaction was something quite different. I finally got to be president of a manufacturing company in Southern California, uh, making uh, more or less electronic devices. There were security devices for burglar alarm systems, primarily intrusion detection and transmission of burglar alarm um, uh, signals, uh, and I became active uh, in a trade association at that time, which uh, was out obviously to uh, to create uh, situations that were advantageous to people that were making that kind of equipment. the The company that I became president of was sold out to a Japanese company in 1994, and I stayed on for a couple of years as as per the contract. And so then I thought I was retired, but this trade association that I had worked in was having problems. They were headquartered in Washington, D.C., and uh, the board of directors asked if I would uh, consider going out to Washington, D.C. for a couple of years to, to address these particular problems they had at the time. It turned out to be almost a lifetime. <laughs> well, it turned out to be another 10 years of, of my life uh, <laughs> instead of two or three years, but it was a very happy experience. And there, my work was all with people. Obviously, there was, the, there was no uh, tangible product like a, uh, a burglar alarm or a communication device. The product was to promote 
the interests of the members of the association. There were maybe 400 companies involved, but uh, those 400 companies probably employed a half a million people. Uh, there were some big companies in it, like uh, General Electric and Siemens. Uh, ADT, obviously the biggest alarm company in the country, was a member of the association. And we had some issues that were political, in which case I would, uh, I would talk to senators or congressmen, if I could, or their aides more, more, uh, more frequently, and try to explain what our, what our interests were and um, see if, if there was something in legislation that could prevent something harmful to happen or to promote something that would be in our best interest. Yeah. So today we have uh, our economy is somewhat difficult. At least people are feeling the difficulty of our current uh -huh. climate, our, our economy. And you're finding not only younger, our younger generation uh, getting trained up and now going into the workforce, but you're, you're finding people moving horizontally and vertically both who are already in their professions or, or at least were until they were laid off. And so now they're looking for new opportunities. What would you suggest to these people as far as applying this, uh, this focus on identifying passion, your passion for work and, and uh, realizing that it's a predominant part of your life and, and important. Mm -hmm. How do you, how do you find that job? Well, I think that, you know, it, I recognize the difficulties our young people are having now. So even with a college degree, they may not be able to find a job in the area that they're interested in. They, they take what they consider to be an interim job, um, something that's uh, well below uh, their qualifications. And I think it'd be easy for these people to, to lose heart, uh, to, to think, well, you know, I'm, I'm never going to be able to do the things that, that matter to me. Uh, and I think these people need need to have some patience to keep their 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 focus on what they really want to do, to not let their passion die out altogether, and just keep plugging along. And I think at some point for everyone, there comes uh, more or less not an epiphany necessarily, but a pivotal point that they have to be very sensitive to and take advantage of. You know, the, all of us have had pivotal points in our lives that we look back on and say, I should have done this instead of what I did. Um, and if I could do it all over again, I'd make a much better decision. Um, but I think we have to look for those points. We have to be sensitive to them. I think this is especially crucial to young people today because opportunities uh, may not come along as quickly as they did for me, for example, back in the 50s and the 60s when when I could find work, even though a, a company I worked for went bankrupt overnight, within a week I had another job. I don't think, uh, I th I don't think those kind of opportunities are, are frequent for the young people today. But there are opportunities. They're still there. And uh, if you keep your eyes open and your head clear and uh, your spirits up, uh, I think when the opportunity comes along, you jump on it and uh, then give it all you got. Well, that, that's a shot in the arm. Hearing that, and I pass on to the listeners to really get on it and do it. Find out what you want to do. I suppose you talk to a lot of people, and you listen, of course, to everyone's opinions, but then you make your own choices. You do, yes. Yeah. Ron, thanks a, a bunch well, for today, and, and I want to thank you again for serving in the U.S. Army back in the days of, of Korea. We, well, you're welcome. We appreciate that. It was, it was my duty, that's all. <laughs>